Hello and welcome to Reaching the Summit on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio in the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. Reaching the Summit is presented by Pinnacle Custom Signs. Get a more elevated look with your business signage. Visit PinnacleCustomSigns.com. I'm Don Conklin, along with Teresa Conklin, and every month on Reaching the Summit, you'll meet successful business leaders who have climbed the mountain and reached the summit in their profession. We will talk to them about their journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons and insights they have learned along the way. Our guests today are Matt Zern from Zern Plumbing Services and Precision Pipelining and Stuart Ward from Buckhead Turf Care. Okay, we're going to start with Matt Zern. Tell us about your company history and what you, where you see your future. Well, we're a uh, family business that was started in 1985. Um, my mother and father uh, started the company when we moved to, to Georgia from South Florida. I was in elementary school, and uh, they had always uh, dreamed of having their own business. So when we moved up here, they um, decided to start their own company. My dad never worked for anybody. My mom uh, never worked for anybody up here either, and uh, moved up here and, and uh, started the company. And <clears throat> we, uh, we've been here ever since. They're mostly retired at this point, and my sister and I are the ones that uh, pretty much run run the business. I'm more of a field, uh, I would say, you know, manager, uh, estimator, problem solver, customer pleaser, and she does more of like the back-end bookkeeping and marketing things. Okay. Sounds a lot like the way Don and I break up our responsibilities, too. Uh, where do you see the future for your company going? Well, I think we'll uh, continue to uh, to grow um, as time goes on. Here, we've grown significantly in the last five years, um, uh, as you, as you guys know, because you sign our trucks for us, you know. Um, but uh, we've we've been adding to the fleet. Our our fleet size has almost doubled in the last five to six years. Wow! Um, and uh, as as our headcount in the field has. Um, we also a few years ago added uh, uh, drain pipe relining, and that has turned out to be a uh, kind of a big thing for us as well. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about <coughs> pipelining. Um, yeah, so not very many plumbers do pipelining. Um, so we are one of the few contractors in Atlanta that do this. Um, if you have an old building or you have a really nice yard, uh, like today we we're doing a, uh, a, a customer's house that. Uh, had roots in their in their line that went out underneath the road um, so instead of having the the road dug up we went in removed all the roots and we're going to put a structural liner in there so they can't grow back in oh neat so it'll you know it'll last another 50 to 100 years i always oh. tell people it's going to outlast me so. oh well that's good <laughs> yeah um and you have a separate brand for this uh pipelining don't you we do we do we um um have a uh uh, have a separate name on it because we we do a lot of it for other plumbing contractors so uh, a lot of times they don't want Zern plumbing showing up out there on their jobs uh, so it's easier if uh, you know a specialty contractor so to speak shows up so all of our relining uh, equipment and trucks and all that stuff is branded um, separately than um, than our Zern plumbing stuff okay. very cool um, how do you go about finding the right people to fill the roles, especially with today with all that's going on in the em employment? Yeah, so um, finding finding qualified technicians is probably one of the hardest things that uh, that we have to do as a business. So we um, took took on many years ago trying to train our own people. So we hire 
uh, people based off their, their attitude and their personality and their willingness to learn. And then we teach them, you know, plumbing, basically. Mm -hmm. So it takes generally two to three years before we'll send somebody out on a truck on their own. In the state of Georgia, you have to work in the field for three years before you can sit for the journeyman test. Uh, plumbing is a licensed trade in Georgia, so right. uh, when you have plumbing work done, you're supposed to have a, a license. Plumber. Um, plumber. So, um, you know, so so we, we have training for them that they go through, online training. We do classroom on the job, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, you know, we just kind of teach them the way that we want things done. And, and then uh, as time progresses and they get more experience, then they're able to start doing certain tasks on their own. So you're basically starting with a blank slate and teaching them to do it the way you want it done. Exactly. I mean, we do, we do hire candidates that have experience as well, but it's a lot harder to find those people. Um, uh, you know, th there's a lot of competition in terms of the other companies that are out there mm -hmm. and their benefits and, and not that ours are any, um, any worse or anything like that, but to lure people away, you, it's, it's just very challenging. And right. then you get into a kind of a, uh, employee robbing type thing with your competitors, which is nobody really likes. So we adopted training in house oh. years ago to get our, uh, our own technicians. Yeah. It sounds like a better way to go. So what's your favorite parts of doing your job? I think uh, my favorite parts are having, uh, you know, seeing seeing the, the young people that come to work for us progress, um, you know, from, from maybe being a little aimless in their life or, you know, not really sure where they want to go in their career to, to eventually becoming licensed plumbers in, in the state and, and growing in their career that way. And they make more money and they buy homes and have families and things like that. Um, and I, I think that's probably one of the coolest things about what we do. Interestingly enough, you came to, you found us about what seven years ago. Yeah, something like that. And we're yeah, not, we're not close. We're what about thirty-five miles away from each other. Yeah. So I don't know. There was a referral there, but isn't it there, isn't a crazy connection that I believe that in high school that your did, did your sister go to what, what high school did you go to? I went to Dunwoody. Dunwoody, and so I think there were some of Teresa's relatives in some of the classes that you and your sister may have gone to because Teresa's the oldest of seven, so there was D. Benedetto's in Dunwoody High School from, what, 76? 76, 76 to 89. Yeah, to 89, so I'm sure there's some, there some connection. There was probably a little bit of crossover there, yeah. <laughs> so, and so, interestingly enough, from that high school connection, we come to Stu Ward over here from Buckhead Turf Care, and we didn't go to high school together, but we met at high school. We did meet at high school. So how did we meet? You want to talk about that? <clears throat> well, our kids were going to the same high school at the time, uh, St. Pius, and uh, we probably got uh, most closely connected through the wrestling program. Uh, I know your boys were wrestlers, and my son was a big wrestler, and uh, we spent a lot of time together. Yeah, a lot of Saturdays uh, a lot of, in a the lot gyms. Very long days. I was actually talking about that with my wife Stephanie the other day. We were driving past, uh, I forgot what high school, um, Jefferson, which had a very good wrestling program, as you might recall. And uh, we remembered a very, very long Saturday spent there um, because typically uh, your rounds were towards the end of the day. It always seemed to be that way. And yeah. it was just exhausting. It Sitting was. in the bleachers. It was. I always remember someone telling me what an airline pilot told him, what told them what their job was. It's hours of boredom 
punctuated by a few minutes of sheer terror, and that's kind of what <laughs> being a wrestling parent is, waiting for your son's that match is. to come up. That is, that but they were, they were great days. I, I wouldn't trade them for anything, though. And <clears throat> they really were. Um, so, Stuart, tell us about Buckhead Turf Care. When did you start it and, and everything like that? Yeah, a, l- you start it? a little bit of a different track. Um, I actually fell into it. It was never anything that I really had planned. I was uh, an engineer by degree. I worked in the corporate world for a fair number of years. I can't say I ever really loved it. Uh, I didn't like to travel. I do like to travel on vacation, but not uh, in the business world, really. And uh, sitting in an office all day, I remember just sitting and looking out the window and just not wanting to be there. And I think my whole life I just was trying to force a certain career path that really wasn't one that I was really happy. I I did well, but I just wasn't really happy doing it. So. I always took pride in my own landscaping, and um, and I, I really just kind of fell into this, really. Uh, I had a neighbor ask me if I wouldn't mind working on their property on Saturdays, and I thought, why not? I'll go next door, you know? And then one thing led to another, and uh, in the early days, it's all about referrals, and someone was on an HOA, and they wanted a company, and so for a few years, I was doing both, and it was kind of crazy because I'd be sitting in an office coat and tie looking at my watch looking at the weather report knowing that I had to get out of there because I had to go you know manage four or five properties before it got dark that night Mm -hmm. and so this continued for a while when I began to think that hey maybe I can really make a go at this and you know be my own boss and have my own company so uh, it was a calculated risk I quit the job and went negative for a couple of years and you know, did my best to try to grow it to where we are today. So, and that was about 27 years ago, 25, 27 years ago. Wow, that's great. So, mm-hmm. tell me about the name Buckhead Turf Care. Where'd you come up with Buckhead Turf Care? Uh, not very creative, but I've actually <laughs> thought about changing it because it's a bit of a misnomer because people think, oh, you do things other than turf care, and we do. And we have just have never done it. We've tried sticking design in there and that never really quite stuck but uh when i came up with the name it was just something that implied uh that we were in fact in the buckhead area uh we were trying to create a certain image kind of a buckhead image and uh, although a lot of our um trucks have changed at the time i had you know black trucks black trailers with silver glossy graphics on the side it really made kind of a nice uh, statement when we pulled up to these homes in Buckhead so my original intent was to say hey we're in Buckhead you know we really know how to treat our customers with significant properties and and do it right so uh, that has hurt us uh, a few times in the past because people will call from a place that's not Buckhead and are surprised that we might go outside that area Uh, and we will now uh, for the right you know, type opportunity, but we have we have tried to kind of bring it in closer to home base over the past few years. And got you. Uh, if you want to, want to talk about some rebranding, I know uh, Matt and, and Zern Plumbing they didn't change their name, but they did some rebranding. What about three years ago? Uh, I think it's been closer to five. five. Wow, yeah, it's been five a while. Years. Yeah, it's been a long um, time. We hired a marketing company uh, that um, we kind of changed the the look on the side of the trucks and we redid our website um you know you you name it brochures the whole the whole thing we'd like to do that we did change some of our graphics a few years ago uh 
the font and everything, and I don't know how you describe it, but uh, I like the font. I don't like the grasshopper. That was kind of a last-minute addition if you've seen our, our truck. I so I think on the next round we might remove the grasshopper. But um, we're probably due for a refresh on some of the the look of the company. But it's tough point. because it's your baby. You know, you start at Buckhead Turf Care. I mean, it is. your name's on Zern Plumbing. I mean, you know, we're Pinnacle Custom Signs, okay? So... We don't have a we don't have an area or a family name in it, but I think if me and Teresa were told, hey, we're going to change your name to Summit Graphics, it's going to be like, you know, we're going to have guttural reactions <laughs> ourselves, right? Because you've grown up, we talk about the peaks and bleeding pinnacle yeah. blue and stuff like that. So that's true. It's not a, it's not an easy change. It yeah. isn't, and I know your your changes weren't dramatic, but they were a change, and the look really changed. Prior to hiring the uh, marketing company, we actually changed the logo itself and hired a graphic artist. And uh, when he came up with what we currently have with the swooshes underneath the Zern and the, and the lettering that he used, he modified it a little bit and said that he was trying to kind of accentuate the German machinist uh, <laughs> idea. So, <laughs> uh, you know, the perfection of a German machinist or something like that. You know, Zern is German, so that's... Uh, that was his description of it, and he gave us a bunch of renderings, and this was the one that we we settled on. Too funny, too yeah. funny. You know, if you it, when when you go into a restaurant or something like that, and you go to a, a public bathroom, Zern Plumbing. It's not Zern Plumbing. It's Zern. They're a huge supplier of fixtures in commercial bathrooms, yeah. and so it's not him. It's another Zern, and I think about that all the time. Yeah, just, I just tag on to that. You know? Yeah, hey, go for it. <laughs> More branding, right? So. So, Stuart, tell us, what's your greatest challenge to the growth of your company? Uh, we've gone through a number of challenges. I think probably most of the ones that we have are very common to uh, small business owners. Uh, the first challenge for me was transitioning out of the owner-operator role because you can make sure – you can confirm that properties look the way you want them to look when you're the one there every week. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in the beginning, I was out there pushing a mower, you know, and – wasn't really that long ago and but once you start expanding and bringing on different people and different crews now suddenly you might have some people that don't care quite as much as you do um, and trying to kind of keep that quality level consistent once you pass that point is it's still a challenge but I would say that was our first kind of big hurdle you know trying to find the right people they're going to represent the company and uh, produce the same quality that customers are used to gotcha. yeah. uh, and then the ongoing consistent challenge is labor and I know everybody says it <clears throat> but it seems like every day that's our challenge and on uh, Thursday mornings we have what we call a project planning meeting 630 in the morning what we do is we plan out about the next month on projects and that meeting is slowly morphed into a labor meeting where so-and-so is not coming in or so-and-so doesn't like working with so-and-so so we have to put him with him but they it's every week it's every day and i don't know if we really solved that challenge and i was listening to the way you train your people and i'm thinking could i could i do that would that really help and i i don't know i don't know um you know licensed plumbers i think is a little bit more of a refined trade than what we do what what i have found is if we bring people in and they're great employees and we train them then they leave and now suddenly it's uh you know yeah start all over again suddenly you see them driving around town the next week with their own pickup truck with their name on the side 
in some cases calling on our own clients that they used to service and you know what do you do you know it's a yeah. challenge so uh, I don't I don't have an answer to it uh, it seems like the best source of new employees has been referrals from existing employees that are strong employees so we we push that as much as we can uh, family members that might be in the same business bringing those over uh, seems to be the best yeah we've tried radio we've tried uh, indeed we've tried everything you can think of and what we get is just a bunch of junk and it's not uncommon to uh, talk to someone they sound like a great candidate set up the interview don't show up mm -hmm. or you have someone that shows up for the interview great you make them an offer start next Monday don't show up for the first day of work so I don't know if something has changed in this world about how people treat jobs I don't know but um, so it's been a challenge. No, capital is a challenge. We had, <laughs> we had exactly both of those the things situations this week. week. Yeah. yeah. We, had, we had someone not show up for an interview. The person that did we show up. We had two not show up for interviews. Okay. And then with the person that did show up, interviewed great, made him a job offer. He's like, well, we're not interested. And I'm like, <laughs> really? You came for a job offer, yeah. right? You know? But, to, you know, from our standpoint, because you're right. I mean, and Matt, you come from probably the more highly um, – skill skill set from a plumbing standpoint landscaping a little bit lower mm -hmm. signs no one really it's it's an industry that's been out there forever but it's not really one of those things that there's a ton of sign makers out there mm -hmm. in the industry right um but you know from our standpoint same thing capital right human capital what do you do with that and so you know we've kind of coalesced around core values and i'm sure you guys have your own core values mm -hmm. as well and quite frankly it's easy for us to look at our core values and say do you fit don't you fit mm -hmm. and it's not just you know you know give great customer service and offer a quality product it's how we act as people we, you know we're driven we want to have fun being part of the team. we want to be positive which is the number one in my mind positive uh, value is because if you walk in in, in the morning and you're like eeyore <laughs> right who wants to be around you at that point in time right yeah and so when yeah. we interview people we say hey listen here's our core values um, and if you don't have these core values, you probably don't want to work here. Right. And everybody who's looking for a job will say, hey, I got all those core values. Yeah. And then Teresa cringes because I say, well, if you don't have them within two to three months, you will be ejected like a virus. And quite yeah. frankly, it happens all the time because not only do they deselect because they're not comfortable being there, mm -hmm. the people there aren't comfortable with the person because they don't share <laughs> the same vision of what they have. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of but, – but, but keeping people is kind of a – most interesting thing we just accepted a resignation about two hours before we came here today <laughs> and it's a it's a good thing for both the employee uh -huh. and for us because i think from a from a development standpoint they're probably at the end of their development and they probably have greener pastures to go on to so right good for everybody at that point right. in time right so yeah. so what you know what, what kind of expense uh, from your business standpoint how much of it is really maintenance versus new landscaping versus projects and things like well that, that the mix has changed over the years, <clears throat> and uh, I was chatting before we went on the air that it used to be that we would go anywhere for a dollar. I think everybody does that, right? When, I think we all yeah, that's do all, that. new, starting all off, new entrepreneurs. I mean, I remember when I was driving a truck, literally, we had a property, you know, we're, down, we're based down in Chambly, but we had a property way north on 985, and I think we were making $35 a visit. And we would drive all the way up there for $35. 
and we get up there and if it would start raining so it's like well we can't finish we got to come back so now we can drive all the way back or it was just insane i look back at it so we've we've tried to get a lot smarter about where we go and the types of clients that we're looking for but i would say that our our current mix on uh, maintenance versus project we're probably 60 65 percent maintenance um it's kind of a boring part of of the business, but it's uh, it's great for cash flow. It's kind of the annuity that pays every month year round. That's what pays the bills. Gotcha. Uh, the projects are the you know the balance of that uh, tend to be higher margin type things. Those are the ones that give you a nice spike in cash flow and, and profit throughout the year. So that's kind of our general mix. And then uh, residential versus uh, commercial. So that has also changed over the years. It used to be and it depends on how you define commercial, but I'm calling. Uh, HOA. I'm calling an HOA commercial, yeah. but uh, it used to be we were almost 100% residential, and then um, we began getting more HOAs, and the mix has changed, and now I'd say on a dollar basis, we're probably 50-50, maybe 60-40 on that. Um, the other thing that's driving that is that uh, it's impossible for us to compete with the owner operators. So I talked about the guys that may have worked for us. Now they've decided to go out on their own mm -hmm. and that, you know, they're driving a truck and a trailer. We cannot compete with that anymore because they're not paying the same overhead that we're paying. Right. They're not paying workman's comp and all the insurance and they just don't have the expenses. So we cannot compete with them anymore. So that has really forced us to go after the type of clients that require that know the three million dollar umbrella policy the things that these guys can't have so that has forced us into that market so um, it's been better for us but again it's also riskier because you know, when you have a large account if you lose a large account that hurts a lot more than losing a smaller small account and it's also harder to build relationships in the big accounts HOAs are particularly notorious because uh, you get a new board and they're ready to change the world we're gonna rebid everything and um, and you've lost all your relationships, and uh, it happens. Yeah, it not happens. a lot, but it's not unusual for yeah. us to have to start over. And we have the same situation with you know entrance signs and things like that for HOAs and, and management companies of HOAs and all that other right, stuff. Right, right, yep. so, yep. so, where do you guys see yourself ten years from now, twenty thirty? <laughs> what continent? I mean, if will I'm you, still alive, no. What continent <laughs> will you be visiting? Um. I don't really have a clear – I'm embarrassed to say I don't have a real clear vision of where we're going to be in 10 years. Uh, I will say it's a very scalable business. It's a business where we laugh about a pickup truck and a trailer. That's where I started. But you, as you grow, you get a bigger truck. Now you have two trucks, and you can just add trucks and crews just like, Matt, you can. As your business grows, it's very easy to add different you know, additional crews. Uh, you can add different business lines like you talked about. We're looking right now at adding an irrigation service line, which would be kind of a no-brainer because we su we uh, subcontract out most of our irrigation now. Huge margins on irrigation. And we already have a, a client base that needs irrigation. So why are we giving it away? Plus, we have other contacts, other landscapers that we know that have the same challenges on irrigation that they could also give us the business. We can't even get irrigation subcontractors to show up to service our clients. And like plumbing, in many cases, it's an emergency. 
if you've got a, a geyser blowing in the front yard or something, it can't be, well, we'll be out there in three weeks. Right, right Matt? Right. So, exactly. So we would love to be in charge of uh, steering that ship ourselves by having, you know, an irrigation line. So we're kind of in the planning phase of that, hopefully in the next two or three months. But again, it's going to be where do we find the person right. that's going to be your lead. And we, we, we've kind of decided we need to find a strong number two person so someone who's on a two-man irrigation crew now that could be a number one who wants to be a number one we'd love to find that ideal candidate and bring them in gotcha. and help them grow gotcha. into a lead so but uh, going back to your question where do I see myself uh, I see my and this has changed we talked about this the other day on the phone um, I had visions of selling the company everyone asked are you gonna sell the company um, we did have the company valued but um, I don't know if I really want to sell a company. I, I'm kind of in a position now where I'm still very much involved in the day-to-day -day operations. I'm not out there physically doing the labor anymore. It's kind of a, a good situation. I'm able to oversee the company uh, really from anywhere for the most part, uh, unless there's a crisis. But um, I have some high-profile clients that I still manage myself. Uh, I like doing that. So. Um, I see myself staying involved, but maybe my role becoming a little bit less as the years progress. I do have a son, Andrew, that works with me. Uh, the plan is for him to take over at some point. He's hopefully he's not going to hear this, but he's no he's nowhere uh, near ready at this point <laughs> for me to, to throw him the keys. Uh, he's still a little bit. He's getting better, but he's still a little bit more of the hourly he's mentality. Still he's still, he's still green. Raw. He's still raw. Yeah. No, he's still green. Yeah. My parents would probably say the same thing even <laughs> to this day. No. <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute, Matt. I mean, it, I, at least for me, I think about the business all the time. I dream about it. I wake up on weekends thinking about it. I'll wake up during the night. I've forgotten something. I used to keep a notepad by my sink. I don't do that anymore. But... Um, I almost feel like you have to be at that point to be ready to run the company. It, it need, you need to be checking your email all weekend. I'm sorry, but well, you have to do it. Um, you need to be fully committed to the success of the company and the happiness of your customers. And uh, until you're ready to do that, I don't think you're ready. You know, I think, I think you're right. Cause that's a very interesting point because I had this conversation with Matt, and Matt is the second generation in Zern. And, you know, Teresa and I aspire to one day be sitting on the beach, you know, seven years from now or five years from now or three years from now, Matthew, Stephen, <laughs> um, and uh, our sons. Oh, you think they're going to listen? I, I don't know, right? Sipping something strong? Sipping something strong, right? <laughs> but, you know, so, I, so I, said, I said, Matt, I said, your dad's still involved in the business. What does he do? And so, Matt, what'd you tell me your dad typically does? I mean, he rolls in a couple of times a week now. And, you know, like he was there this morning. They were going to the beach today. And uh, he, uh, I don't know, he just showed up to check on things, you know. But uh, we don't give him a whole lot to do. And so, he, you know, he comes in, makes, sure, get, makes him feel all right about things. And then he heads on and he's like, okay, they got this, you know. Yeah. Uh, actually, That's where I want to be. Coronavirus kind of changed things a little bit, though, because uh, when all that stuff started happening, we were like, "You're not, you're not going to come in here. You're not going to be around us. You're not going to go be around people. Like, you just need to hang out, go to the lake, whatever. But don't, you know, we don't need you running around town right. and getting sick. And and uh, so that kind of forced his hand a little bit. I mean, he was already a little bit part time, but that made him a lot more part time. And then right. I think he decided he kind of liked being a lot more part time. So. So we're like, yeah, okay, great, you know. You so could uh, 
so we had a version of this discussion earlier, Don, Don and I. But so Matt, so could you be? Uh, could he be gone for three months? Oh yeah, completely. And, you, and the business would be fine. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of the litmus test right. for me. Uh, I was asking Don before we got on the air. Uh, could you go away for a month, turn your phone off? and feel comfortable that the business is going to be fine. I don't know if you gave me 100% yes, on that. Yes, no, I said yes. <laughs> Teresa said maybe. Well, he can't turn it off because right. I'd like to check on it. <laughs> That's the point. That's the point. So, That's right. So One one thing I was going to add when you were talking about your son is that uh, an agreement that I had with my parents was when I finished college, I was not allowed to come and work in the company full-time straight out of college. Huh. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how old your son is, but uh, I was required – to go work for someone else, um, you know, non-specific, but years, right. um, and before I came back into the company. Your right. parents were very, very wise in that yeah, way, because Don and good. I have said that a lot, yeah. that one of the things we wish we had done was had the boys go work somewhere else before they came to work for us, right. because it's always been, I'm working for mom and dad, I can get away with it. So they, they've got a good deal. We've talked about that. They do. And, and um and my, my son, Andrew, he's got a good deal, but he works hard. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I don't feel that we're giving him any, you know, doing him any favors right. other than, you know, giving him a, you know, a well-paying job. But he, he does work well and, uh, and hard. So yeah. the, the, the family dynamic is interesting because, you know, as Teresa and I say, is the, the goal is for us to be kind of absentee bosses, mm -hmm. you know, and keep our finger on the pulse but have them take care of it and things like that and so but then they aggravate us and we go call a business broker to find out how much our company's <laughs> worth at that point in time right so it's kind of but you know in reality and I, this is a story i'll always brag on them on this so Teresa and i were on a cruise last year and it was january of last year i always remember this and so um we left on a saturday and on monday morning my son steven's wife was pregnant nine and a half months she was past the due date. So we called up Monday morning to see if she went into labor, right? Mm -hmm. And Stephen says, no, she's okay, but, you know, we're going to go s to see the doctor after we go see Nanny, my mother. Mm -hmm. So where are you going to go see my mother? Because, oh, in the hospital. Oh, you didn't hear? She fell and broke her hip in three places <laughs> the day before. And I'm on a ship and no one let me know, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. What could happen, right? No, to be honest, that was one of those days we didn't check email. That's true. So later on that day, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, my daughter-in-law, Christy, who is Matt's wife, calls me in the cabin you know and sometimes you're taking a nap in the afternoon in the cabin and who who calls your cabin right so I'm kind of groggy and, and she says uh Don she goes Matt doesn't want to call you but the building caught on fire oh come on no seriously absolutely I, 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 I was ready to go home right then and there I, I cannot I cannot make this but you're stuff trapped up. at sea well I know I, you cannot make this stuff up but to their credit okay between, and that was on a Monday. We didn't get back to the following Sunday, right? Um, they had gotten all of the remediation stuff handled. They had gotten all the insurance claims filed. They had people hired to come back and build the building. They called all the people with all the equipment. The only thing that I had to do when I got back was fight with the insurance companies. So in that moment, I said to myself, you know what? They actually do know what's going on around here, and they really do know what's going on, yeah. and the people around them actually will follow them, because that's our biggest concern. We have 18 people now, and it's not whether they know what they're doing and what they can be doing. And Stephen manages a half-million-dollar account, so he knows what he's doing. As the question comes down to is, can he himself, or could the people around them, respect those two enough to follow them? 
Well, here's right. the here, here's the question though: is having myself or you or you, Teresa, being around is that keeping other people from growing into what they could be? Because you're always there. You're they can come to you and ask a question, or they know that you'll handle something. But maybe when you're not there, they can do it. They do. They do. But they're less apt to do it because you are there. Um, no, I don't give anybody else answers. <laughs> seriously, I don't. I said, did you talk to Matt? Did you talk yeah. to well, That's good. That's good. It I took mean, you, it, but it took you a while to get to the, yeah. that point. Yeah. yeah. So, but, so, Matt, growth in your business, right? Um, it, it seems to be, you know, I keep doing trucks for you, so it seems to be really going significantly. Where do you see yourself five, ten years down, down the road? Well, um, I would... I, I, I would say that uh, we have a 17 truck fleet at this point. Um, at the moment, you know, given current economics and whatnot, I mean, we've, we've had a little bit of slowdown here from, from everything that's been going on with the pandemic and whatnot, but uh, um, nothing really, really bad yet. Um, so I, I would venture to say we're probably not going to see any growth this year, maybe a little shrinkage. And then, you know, five years from now, we could we could be up to 20 two to 25 trucks possibly um you know part of it also is how far do we want to go we keep our service area tight we don't go everywhere we don't you know we don't go up to woodstock we don't go down to mcdonough we don't a lot of our competitors that are really big will send their guys anywhere in the metro area and beyond and we're pretty much our core business i would say is pretty much from Peachtree corners and norcross down to buckhead and i mean yes we do go out of that area we go to roswell we go to alpharetta um those areas but we don't um most of our work is is from peachtree corners norcross area down to buckhead got you do you see more growth coming in the plumbing side or the the precision lining side i see growth on both sides the lining thing uh is kind of an odd thing because most people don't even know it exists until they start going to look for ways to replace a drain or something without tearing their building or their or their yard up um uh, so that actually has grown a lot. We've only been doing it about four and a half years now, and uh, um, we cleared well over a half million dollars in sales last year. I don't remember exactly how much it was. Just just in that alone, that that wasn't that wasn't anything plumbing related. That was straight up relining. Do you keep that in that same geographic area as well? Uh, no, no, I don't. Um, that's since that's the specialty type of thing. Uh, we we go we'll go a ways for it this summer we did uh we did a storm drain for a target up in gainesville we um have a job to go look at down in columbus here in the next day or two um so we'll travel for that do i like doing it not really but i i will i mean we've we've worked in a lot of kind of cool places we've done bowling alleys and shopping centers and restaurants and uh all kinds of you know places some government buildings and i'm really not allowed to say publicly <laughs> <laughs> but uh um you know we've 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 been all over the place with it so it's it's cool um and uh uh you know some some of that has brought us better plumbing clients too um so we do some work for for these bowling alleys and i got a call from the guy one day and he was like hey i need to have a water line replaced down in columbus and i was like we don't we don't go to columbus to replace water lines you know and and uh He's like, just just go down there and give me a price, please. And I was like, all right, just know it's not, you know, it's not going to be cheap for us to go down there and do this, you know, because it's a couple hours away and this, that, and the other. And I'll have to, you know, deal with permits down there and everything else. So I go down there and I give him a price, and uh, I know the uh, 
national franchise uh, person, competitor down there that owns the franchise down there, and ended up having lunch when we did the job. Turns out he bid it for $1,500 less than we did, and they still had us go down there and do it. So that speaks a lot to your quality yeah um you know and they know they know when we're done that they're not going to have any problems so so you're on the flip side of the generational thing so how was it with you and your sister stepping up to the plate and your and your father trying to transition out how easy or difficult was that for him and for you guys oh it's like pulling teeth you know um he didn't really ever want to let go of it i still don't think he does entirely but um you know it uh it's also one of these things that i don't really want to force him out either because um work gives you purpose so if he wants to still have a hand in it and be involved in it a little bit that's that's totally fine you know um he can he can come in and check things out and he wants to go look at something or whatever you know um i still involve him in the decisions that we make for replacing equipment and trucks and him and my mom actually um it's more of a family conversation between the four of us by my sister and my parents um usually it's me saying hey we need to buy this uh you know we need to buy another backhoe we need to buy xyz whatever it is you know and it's always 10 20 30 dollars <laughs> so um you know so we still involve them and uh i mean some things uh, my sister lisa and i decide on you know hey we're just going to do this and whatever but uh but most of the time i give him his due respect and keep him involved just for for that stuff so you and do you and lisa see eye to eye on everything i mean for the most part was that an easy transition for both of you to you know divide and conquer the the uh, functions in the company yeah I, I i don't we don't really ever argue or anything like that um you know uh i mean i would say maybe twice a year we're upset at each other about something stupid but not you know not, not not a whole lot, you know. Um, I don't know how your your kids get along in the business there. Only twice a day. So, <laughs> uh, is that a power grab, power struggle then, or no, no not at all. Uh, it's it's what we call staying in no. one's lane, because one's got operations and one's got sales and design, and both of them can do both. And when they bleed over to each other, that's they, when we get in trouble. That's when they knock heads. And we call it, we call it staying in your own swim lane, which sometimes they don't do very well. So. Yeah. Well, I would say with my sister and I, we we do that pretty well. She doesn't know a lick about plumbing other than to turn the hot and cold water on. You know. I mean, I love her to pieces. So don't, you know. But uh, um, you know, if I told her, hey, uh, go out and help the guys run this jet machine or something, she wouldn't have a clue as to what I'm even talking about. Um, I mean, she she gets the concepts, but y you know what I mean. It's. Uh, um, and then, you know, for the bookkeeping side, um, you know, she, she obviously takes ownership of that stuff and I don't have the time. So she, she does that. She deals with our marketing company. Um, you know, if there's decisions that we got to make business related, like we're changing our dispatching software, we're in the process of that. It's been kind of a nightmare, but, um, we're getting ready to go live on the new stuff, which will be a good thing, but it's going to be painful, you know. <laughs> it's been painful thus far, so. Oh, I get that. I get that. So, uh, recently this year, 2020 has been an interesting year for all of us. Um, this little thing called, um, I think it's called a pandemic or yeah. coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, so, tell me. I mean, all three of our businesses have been deemed essential businesses since the outset, right? So, in reality, there's been no shelter-in-place order for us as companies, but how did it affect your company from a revenue standpoint, Stuart? And maybe did you have employees who just were scared to show up or just didn't want to come to work because <clears throat> of it? Or 
we've really had very little impact from it. Uh, Business-wise, believe it or not, we're probably up 20% over last year. <clears throat> we're seeing a lot of growth um, in uh, project-related work, kind of discretionary purchases. And I really believe uh, people are sitting at home for two or three months looking out the window, thinking about a project that they've been considering for several years and deciding that they're going to pull the trigger on it. And uh, so we've, we've seen more kind of big size projects come this year. And then we've also seen on the maintenance side, we've seen more significant size maintenance accounts come through. Gotcha. Um, I think a lot of people are still working. You know, you hear a lot of bad stories about the economy and people working, but I think there's still people out there with a fair amount of money to spend. Gotcha. So business-wise, it's, I hate to say it, but it's been a really good year uh, for us. As far as impact uh, on our operations, um, no one has been sick. Uh, we've done our best to follow the, the guidelines. Uh, it has been a real challenge <laughs> getting people to do it. None of the guys, except for four or five of the office people, including myself, are allowed in our shop building. So all the crews remain outside. Uh, we clock them in for them. We give them you know, sanitizing wipes. Whether they're doing it, I don't know. But I know they're not wearing the masks all day, you know, in 90 degree heat. I mean, pretty sure that they're right. not, you know. But we, we've done our best to give them guidelines. To I, I had face masks made for everybody, kind of fun face masks. So everyone got a face mask. So we've done our best to support them and give them what they need per the guidelines. Gotcha. So gotcha. we've done our best. I share uh, part of our shop with uh, another gentleman who has a smaller, more of a gardening company. He is hardcore on following the rules so he's pushed me along if he sees me or someone without a mask he'll remind us gotcha. but he actually uh he has another friend in the landscaping business who had three people go out with the virus one of them uh passed away so when he told me that story that kind of i was kind of a denier honestly in the beginning i'm a little bit more of a believer right now gotcha. so uh i don't wear it all the time i should but i'm I push the guys to, to follow it. And I would say, Matt, from your standpoint, because I know a lot of your work is, most of your work is outside. Story, Correct. Is that you have, you're going into people's houses and businesses. So how is it affecting how you guys operate? Well, we've, uh, I would say, you know, we've provided masks, cloth masks, and then uh, we got paper masks when they were available. We've always had rubber gloves, disposable latex gloves for working on drains and things of that nature. Um, so our instruction to our people has been, if you're going inside somebody's house, you need, you need to have it on. If you're working out in the front yard, I don't really care if they wear it or not. Um, they're outside. The, the big thing is the appearance of the customer. Shoe booties, gloves, face mask. Some customers could care less, and then some people are freaking out. Oh, oh, my water heater's leaking, but it, I, don't, I don't want you guys to come in my house. Well, it's not going to stop leaking until we replace it, and we have to come in your house to do that. So you just have to decide when, you know, when that's comfortable for you, Mrs. Homeowner, and call us back. Yeah. So, you know, we've had it, – it's it's different ends of the spectrum. My general, like, going to customers' homes and stuff like that, I try uh, – and I've encouraged the guys, just try to be outside and not really in there talking to them face-to-face. -face. Like, try to get them to come outside, you know, and, and converse with them outside. I think you're safer that way if somebody does have it, you know. You know, from our standpoint, business slacked a little bit because people weren't buying signs. Mm -hmm. Although recently we've done a lot of 
COVID and social distancing signs. I've seen a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, we sent eight people down to Georgia State yesterday to put um, social distancing signs and warnings on every elevator at Georgia State. If you know anything about Georgia State, yeah, I it's a really big campus. You need to get into plexiglass, too. I heard something well, about Well, the funny thing is, is we found as time went on that material got harder and harder to get because a lot of other sign companies and a lot of other companies that were our suppliers were also producing those to sell yeah. to people i think that's a great idea so. yeah. well, that's short term i really do think it's short. i mean from our standpoint sticking to our knitting sitting sticking with our big customers and as you said there's some projects that are getting done that weren't getting done previously because people were too busy to get them done we have a lot of um, commercial property managers that manage big buildings and they didn't want to shut their lobby down for three months so that they can renovate it. Guess what? They can shut their business down, their, mm -hmm. their, their lobby down for three months now because no one's in the building to right. be able to do that kind of stuff. So it's interesting from that standpoint. The other thing that hurts us is we're a national company, and we do a lot of business in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, and California. So obviously we can't get anything taken care of in those territories until they open up for business as well. Right. So it's kind of an interesting dichotomy for us. We've been open the whole time. Uh, we've actually hired people during this. We've actually bought more equipment for this. We truly believe when we come out on the end of this, like you said, Stuart, you said people have money to spend. I think people have money to spend. They just want to get through this and understand the economy is right. going to come back to where it needs to be from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah I think there was a, just a pent-up demand. I was thinking the other day of all the things that we would normally spend money on, us personally going to the movies or going out to dinner if you can't do that, that money's just kind of sitting, theoretically, right. somewhere. somewhere. And you got to believe everyone's in the same vacations, everything mm -hmm. that's been put on hold. So when this does kind of ebb or we come out the other end, i got to believe there's going to be a pretty big surge in all of these mm -hmm. uh, I would think discretionary so expenses. Do uh, people needed to reach you and your company to get your services? How would they do that? Uh, you want me to provide a phone number? Phone number, <laughs> website, and all that fun stuff. Call me personally, 404-345-0309. Uh, <laughs> That's my mobile number. Feel free to call me directly. Our website's uh, www.buckheadturfcare.com. You can also reach us through the website. Awesome. And Matthew? Uh, our office number is 770-451-6765. Um, I have a number of people in the office that field calls and take care of you. And uh, you can also put a request through our website and take a look at that. We have uh, www.zernplumbing.com, and that's Z-U-R-N plumbing.com. Thank you so much for joining us on Reaching the Summit, presented by Pinnacle Custom Signs. Get a more prominent look with your business signage. To see how we can help your business reach the summit, visit us on our website at pinnaclecustomsigns.com or on any of our social media channels. Remember that you can enjoy any of our episodes at any time by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Reaching the Summit. You can also find us on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, for Pinnacle Custom Signs, I'm Teresa Conklin with Don Conklin. You've been listening to Reaching the Summit on Business Radio X. Hope you have a great day.